Hello, my Misties. How are you? I'm doing really good. Everything's not so busy, so it's good. We're back on schedule. I'm trying to be back on schedule. Anyways, so, if you're new here, this is Murder, Mystery, and History. My name's Christy. Before we get started with today, I want to talk about Twitter for a quick second. Murder, Mystery, and History has a Twitter now. So, if you want to reach me about a murder, mystery, or history, you can tweet me. It'll be the same profile picture for this podcast is Murder, Mystery, and History at Twitter. And on Facebook, we have a Facebook group page for all of my misties to join. And it is the same profile picture. Murder, Mystery, and History. And if you really don't feel comfortable posting on a public forum, you can always email me at History at gmail.com. So, today I want to do a mystery. We haven't done a mystery in a long time. So I wanted to talk about this guy named Dr. Crippen. And I this is something relatively new for me. I've never heard of this man before until I started doing like, what kind of mystery should I do research? So Crippen was a homeopathic doctor, which in essence means that he would tend to do more natural remedies before Western medicine as a basic. And this whole thing starts in the 1800s. So in 1894, Crippen would start working for a homeopathic pharmaceutical company. And also in 1894, he would get married for the second time to Corinne Cora Turner, who was a stage performer. The thing about their marriage, though, was Corinne would openly have affairs. There was no discretion on her part. She like Everybody knew she was having an affair. Everybody knew who the affair was with. In 1897, Crippen would move to England with his wife. And although his U.S. medical certificates would work as a homeopathic doctor in the United States, it wouldn't work in England. So he would have to be a distributor of patent medicines, which was fine. That's what he chose to do at the time. In 1899, he was fired from his job as a distributor of patent medicines for spending too much time managing his wife's stage career. What this could be attributed to, or argued as by managing his wife's stage career, keeping an eye on her so he didn't have to be embarrassed she was having these affairs, which very well could have been what he was doing. So, after he was fired, he became a manager of the Institution for Deaf People, where at this time, he would need a typist. He hired a woman named Ethel. The thing about this was he hired her in 1900. By 1905, they were having an affair. Full blown. In 1908, Crippen and his wife would move to Holloway, London, where they would take in boarders at their home to supplement the income they had, which wasn't very much at the time. But what this led to was Cora having an affair with a boarder, which Crippen then took Ethel as his mistress in 1908. Even though they had been having an affair since 1905, he decided to make it official in 1908 after this final affair that his wife would have. So. Cora and Crippen would have a party at their home 
on January 31st in 1910. After the party, Cora disappeared. No one could find her. When Crippen was questioned, he had stated she had returned to the United States. But later on, he added, she died and we buried her, well, cremated her in California. Meanwhile, Ethel moves in and is openly wearing Cora's clothes and jewelry. If in the 1900s you left your husband, one of the things you would not leave is jewelry because jewelry could be pawned. Jewelry could get you a head start in life if you were by yourself, which if you're leaving your husband, you're not going to leave your clothes or your jewelry. And police initially didn't take this too seriously, but once it got, once her disappearance took a more sinister turn, I should say, the house was searched, but nothing was found. And Crippen was initially interviewed by the chief inspector of Scotland Yard. When questioned, Crippen would admit that he had made up the story about his wife having blue, and saying he made it up in order to avoid being embarrassed because she did leave him and had fled to America with one of her lovers. After the interview and a quick search of the house, the inspector was satisfied. He didn't he did not question Crippen any further. But Crippen and Ethel thought they were in trouble, so they fled. They fled in panic to Brussels, where they spent the night at a hotel, and the following day, they boarded Canadian Pacific Liner headed for Canada. So does this spell guilt for anybody? Because it sure as shit spells guilt for me. If you're not guilty, why would you run? Like, what was the point of that? So once it, had become, once it had come out that the pair had disappeared, Scotland Yard would perform another three searches of the house. And finally, on the fourth and final search, they found a torso of a human body buried under the brick floor of the basement. Now, here's the thing. An autopsy showed traces of a calming drug called scoplamine in the torso parts. So... The corpse was identified by a piece of skin from its abdomen. Here's the interesting thing. The head, limbs, and skeleton were never recovered. These were positively identified as Cora. But... Griffin and Ethel were crossing the Atlantic. And Ethel had actually disguised herself as a boy. And the captain of this ship actually recognized them. He had telegraphed and sent a wireless telegraph to British authorities saying that he thinks Crippen and Ethel are on his boat. And had Crippen traveled third class instead of first class, he probably would escape the captain's notice. So, how did he get caught? Chief of Scotland Yard boarded a faster liner and arrived in Quebec ahead of Crippen and Ethel, and he contacted the Canadian authorities. When Crippen and Ethel entered Canadian waters, the chief inspector would come disguised as a pilot onto the ship. 
once he had, he had invited Crippen to meet the pilots of the ship. So, in essence, what had happened is the captain of the ship that Crippen was on had invited Crippen to meet this pilot had, that had come on board. And when Crippen went to meet him, the chief inspector removed his pilot's hat and said, Good morning, Dr. Crippen. Do you know me? I'm the chief inspector from Scotland Yard. And after a brief pause, Crippen replied, Thank God, it's over. The suspense has been too great. I couldn't stand it for a moment longer. This guy held out his wrists to be handcuffed. Crippen and Ethel were arrested on this boat, July 30th, 1910. Crippen was returned to England. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm on a boat and I'm guilty, why would, like, this sounds like he totally admitted, like, what was going on. So, Crippen was put on trial on October 18th, 1910. The proceedings would last four days. And among the prosecution witnesses was a man named Bernard Silsbury, who stated he couldn't testify the testify, identify the torso remains, or even tell whether they were male or female. Now, that's interesting to note. So that leads one to believe that if it's just the abdomen, it would you wouldn't see. You can usually tell with an abdomen with breasts unless his wife didn't have breasts or had a very small pair, but still, figure-wise, you should be able to tell whether it's a male or a female. This leads me to question how big the piece of torso was, whether it was completely under the chest. Now, in male and female remains, you can actually tell if it's a female because of the pelvic area. The pelvic area is shaped differently for women and men do not have, men have a very shallow pelvic region. So it's interesting to me that they couldn't tell whether the remains were male or female. So it stated that there was a piece of skin with an abdominal scar that was consistent with Cora's medical history. And as mentioned prior, there was a toxic compound found within the remains. And here's the thing. Crippen bought the drug before the murder from a local chemist. Fancy that. C is for cat. So, it has been maintained throughout this entire trial that Cora had fled to America with a lover. She didn't want to be married to Crippen anymore. And Cora and Crippen had been living at the house since 1905. And this it was suggested that the previous owner was responsible for the remains under the floorboards. Monbra. Let's be real with each other. The defense would also state that the abdominal scar was really just folded tissue. It had hair follicles growing from it. Something scar tissue cannot have. There's the other evidence that was presented was a piece of a man's pajama top, supposedly from a pair Cora had given, given Crippen a year earlier. These, The bottoms of these were found in Crippen's bedroom, not the top. 
the fragment included the manufacturer's label, and bleached hair consistent with cores were found with the remains. Within the remains. But here's the thing. If they're sleeping in the same bed together, there would still be her hair within pajama bottoms. That's not, I don't think that was very strong evidence personally. But there was a testimony stating that these pajamas were not sold prior to 1908, placing the date of manufacture well within the time period of when the Crippens occupied the house. So, there's a lot to unpack here, right? Is anybody else as confused as I am? Because I'm super confused. Crippen would show no remorse for his wife consistently throughout this trial, only concern for Ethel's reputation. So what does that sound like to you guys? This sounds like a murder of passion. The jury would find Crippen guilty of murder after 27 minutes of deliberation. Ethel, for her part, was charged only with being an accessory after the fact and acquitted. So if you don't know what acquittal means, it means they really can't prove you guilty. You probably did it, but they can't prove it. So you can be acquitted. Crippen never gave any reason for killing his wife. It's proposed that Chris, that Crippen accidentally gave her an overdose and panicked when she died. It's stated that the overdose he gave her was for an antidepressant. So, in a twist of events, in 1981, apparently, a man had claimed to have met Ethel in 1930 in Australia, where she told him that Crippen murdered his wife because she had syphilis. I'd like to see a little bit more documentation about that, though. Let's be real here. So, he was executed. Wednesday the 23rd, November 1910. Execution by hanging. Ethel, for her part, sailed to the United States and ended up settling in Canada. She returned to England in 1915 and died in 1967. The only thing Crippen requested after he was hung was a picture of Ethel placed in his coffin and buried with him. So, there's so many questions here. Number one, did he actually do it? Did he actually kill his wife? And where is her head? Where is her torso? Where are her limbs? So, some of the theories that play around with this is that Crippen tried to dispose of the body through, through lime. And he, that's why there's no no head, no arms, but that being said, there still would have been a skeleton. That being said, there are other theories that people have stated it is unbelievable that Crippen could be so stupid as to bury his wife under the floorboards in his home, which you can't be that stupid. But then again, that has happened before. If you listened to my previous episode on John Wayne Gacy, he put all of his victims in line, in the crawl space, in his home. 
So, another theory that's been playing around is Crippen was carrying out illegal abortions, and the torso was one of the women who accidentally died. This is a rather, I don't want to use the word appealing, this is a rather plausible, plausible, plausible is the best word here, plausible theory because in the 1900s, abortion was considered this taboo thing, but whether or not you agree with abortion, you shouldn't have the right over anybody else's body. I said it, don't come for me. But this is very plausible because there were backyard abortionists that would mutilate a woman to get rid of the baby, and it was awful, and it was horrible. And it's not something that should have ever have happened. I don't, I think there should, there are safer methods. And I just think backyard abortions are horrible. We're not, this is a very taboo topic that we're not going to get into. So the interesting thing about Crippen was he was one of the first criminals to be captured with the aid of wireless telegrams. Remember the ship? Yeah. So there's a lot here to unpack whether or not Crippen did or didn't kill his wife. It is very, very, very telling. There's a lot of damning evidence here. Like, why would he have run? That's that's number one. Why would he have run? Oh, geez, it's super windy out here. <laughs> it's just getting right into here. So, there's, there's so much to unpack here. And this truly is a mystery because we don't really know. What happened to Cora? What happened to Corrine? Corrine? Corrine, Cora, Turner. Did she run up? Or did her husband kill her? It is very plausible that she was murdered, given the evidence, but the body's never been recovered. So additionally, I'm going to talk about the Voynich manuscript. Just because I think with mystery episodes, I try to do two mysteries. Because sometimes when we're doing mysteries, it just doesn't get to 45 minutes. So, the Voynich Manuscript. It's a beautiful book that's considered an illustrated codex. It's generally dating back to the 15th century. What's interesting about it is it's written in an unknown language. It's around 240 pages long, but that can kind of be disputed because it looks like some of the pages have been ripped out. According to historians, the book looks like it should have been 300 pages. Now, the pages will vary in length and size as some are folded and the text is written left to right. Both American and British codebreakers from World War I and World War II have been unable to crack the code, which is interesting enough. What is known is that there's some strong evidence that this book was written throughout various points in history, which makes this such a delicious mystery. What makes the mystery even more tantalizing is there's a few lines that have been written in broken Latin, but it's not enough to try and decipher what's written in the book because most of the broken Latin is one or two words here or there. Now, the problem in translation is that some of the letters are the same for other letters, showing very little, if any, variation in the figure for the letter. Research, research has shown that the text contains 170,000 characters. 8,114 of these are considered unique and unknown words. 
In terms of illustrations, this constitutes various astrological signs and plants. However, some of the plants and signs are unknown to humanity today. Crazy, right? It also contains recipes that we think and medicinal purposes and lots of nude women. Yeah. The purpose of this book presently is still unknown. It could be connected to the art of alchemy or a medicinal herb book. But what about astrology? What, what is that for? Astrology was heavily used in the art of alchemy. Alchemy was considered um, like a scientific magic, like how to turn silver into gold. It was like magical chemistry is the best way I can I can explain it. So when do we start hearing about this book in history? Well, the very first footnote in history we have about this book was in 1639. However, the book has been carbon dated to be created in 1404. In 1639, a George Barish, an alchemist from Prague, was tired of this book taking up space in his library, and it was useless to him. In 1666, the, books, the book was sent to a man named Kircher, and it's lost to history for the next 200 years. In 1866, we get a footnote that it was found in a Jesuit library, and Jesuits were a type of Catholic priest. In 1903, Wilfred Voynich brought this book, and now the book bears his name. He would spend the next seven years trying to decipher the contents. When Voynich died, the book ended up in the Yale Library. It's cataloged as MS-408. And apparently, the first owner of this book is thought to be Rudolf II, Holy Roman Emperor. According to speculation, 13th century friend Chiskid Friar, Roger Bacon was the author. However, another author of the mysterious manuscript was thought to be Albertus Magnus. Assuming the author was Bacon, it was assumed it was sold to John Dee, who was a famous mathematician and astrologer in the court of Queen Elizabeth I. This seems very unlikely, though, because John Dee kept a daily journal, and he never missed a day. Never. If Bacon didn't create the book, it would be very hard to sell to John Dee. There's also the theory that Voynich created the book himself, but given historical records, that's doubtful. Let's be real with each other. The ciphers and codes have continued to intrigue. People are still trying to decipher and decode this book. Some say it's a hoax, others a mystical book. Until the book is decoded, we'll never really know what secrets it may or may not hide. And I think that's probably the biggest part of the mystery is when we talk about it like that so that was our mystery episode I hope you guys liked it we'll do probably a history episode soon how do you guys feel about Greek mythology I really like it maybe we'll do that we'll see so if there's a mystery you want me to prattle on about you can email me murder mystery and history at gmail.com or if you want to follow me on Facebook, that's cool too. Murder, Mystery, and History. Same profile picture as the podcast. Or if you want to just throw it out there, shout out a comment, you can find me on Twitter. Murder, Mystery, and History. Same profile picture as the podcast. So, some of the best praise that I can ever get is if you share the podcast with your friends. And you're probably saying to yourself, well, what 
where where can I tell my friends? Where can I tell them? So, you can find me on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Speaker, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. So, again, just so we have everybody there, you can follow me on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, Castbox, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Stay tuned. And you know what? I think we're going to get a little bit more active on the Facebook page. And if you guys need anything, you want me to talk about any mystery, I got you. Let's do it. So, until we meet again. <laughs>